welcome to another teaching from 119 Ministries. Our ministry believes that the whole Bible is still true and applicable to our lives. If you would like to know more on what we believe and teach, please visit us at testeverything.net. We hope you enjoy studying and testing the following teaching. Only prostitutes and vain people wear makeup and jewelry. If you wear them, you're a sinner. Have you ever had someone say this or something similar to you? Do you or someone you know feel guilty if you adorn yourself with rings, earrings, makeup, or necklaces? If so, you're not alone. Last year we wrote a short post relating to modesty and lust. You can find that post titled Modesty and Lust Who's Responsible on the 119 website in our blog. There has been a big push in some Christian circles relating to women wearing makeup and jewelry. Today, we want to take a look at that subject, but we're going to do it using the whole of Scripture and not just a few verses. There are many different claims and arguments on these subjects, but do they really have the scriptural support for their claims? Is jewelry really forbidden by Yahweh? Why jewelry should not be worn. There are a variety of reasons that have been stated over the years as to why wearing jewelry should not be worn by any claiming to be a child of Yahweh. Here are a few of them. Pagans wore jewelry and or makeup. Moses made the Israelites drink the water with gold dust in it from their jewelry. Jewelry and looking pretty only serves the desires of the flesh, feeding into vanity, which is a sin. Jewelry and makeup is only worn by prostitutes and others seeking the wrong kind of attention. Our beauty should come from the inside, not our outside adornment. Those look like some very legitimate reasons for children of the Most High to not wear jewelry today, at least on the surface. There is even scripture to back up some of these claims. The primary verses used to defend this stance are Exodus 32.20, Exodus 33.5, Jeremiah 4.30, Ezekiel 23.40, 1 Timothy 2 verses 9 and 10, and 1 Peter 3 verses 3 through 5. Let's take a closer look at the claims in any supporting verses in order to determine if they do mean that the children of Yahweh should not be wearing jewelry and makeup. Pagans wore jewelry and makeup. The claims relating to pagans wearing jewelry and makeup often go something like this. We know the pagans wore jewelry. We know that pagans wore makeup. We know that God says not to do what the pagans do. Therefore, we should not wear jewelry or makeup. That is some pretty sound logic, right? Two facts followed by a correlating statement? Well, that isn't quite what we have. This type of statement removes the context of what Yahweh commanded. Let's take a look at the verses that they would be pulling this from. Deuteronomy 12.4 You shall not worship Yahweh your God in that way. Deuteronomy 12.31 You shall not worship Yahweh your God in that way. For every abominable thing Yahweh hates, they have done for their gods. For they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. And finally, Jeremiah 10, which has perhaps their strongest support. Thus says Yahweh, Learn not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them. It's easy to see how these two verses in Deuteronomy don't contextually apply to the understandings that if pagans wear jewelry, then we shouldn't. Both of those verses relate to worshiping Yahweh, not to the everyday wearing of jewelry. In fact, even the argument that if they wear jewelry while worshiping, then we cannot, does not hold water when we look at the adornment of the high priest. While we don't see earrings, bracelets, and rings, we do see an extravagant breastplate, 
head covering, robe, and the ephod. You can see that in Exodus 28. So that leaves us with Jeremiah 10, where it says not to learn the way of the nations. If we continue reading the same passage, we see this is again relating to worshiping Yahweh and idol worship. The preceding chapter is what will happen to Israel because they have gone after other gods and were not living according to the word of Yahweh. None of these verses, when taken in context, support the idea that Yahweh's people cannot wear jewelry or makeup. For more on Yahweh's people and what exactly is pagan, please see our teaching titled, What is Pagan? and The Lost Sheep. Moses made the Israelites drink the water with gold dust in it. Two verses cited to prove that Yahweh is against jewelry are found in Exodus. The proponents of this viewpoint cite Moses making the Israelites drink water with the gold dust that's made from their crushed earrings and Yahweh commanding them to remove their jewelry as proof that jewelry itself is bad. Exodus 32.20 He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink from it. And Exodus 33.5 for Yahweh had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. As with all testing, we need to first determine the context of the statements in question. In Exodus 32 and 33, we find ourselves at the golden calf incident and immediately after it. These events occur not too long after Yahweh has just brought Israel out of Egypt and Moses has gone up the mountain where he is receiving the Torah and the Ten Commandments. Remember, the Israelites had plundered the Egyptians when they left, so they had a lot of gold, jewelry, etc. The wealth they took from Egypt was a blessing, but they used some of that blessing to create the golden calf after Moses had been gone for 40 days. When Moses comes down, he's understandably upset with them, not because they were wearing jewelry, but because they were using a golden calf as a mediator and way in which to worship Yahweh. This is why he melted down the calf and ground the gold to dust, which is what he then made them drink. This, along with Yahweh telling them to remove the jewelry, was for the punishment of their actions. They were commanded to remove their jewelry, a sign of his blessing, as a punishment, not as a prohibition against wearing jewelry. Thus, they were not permitted, at least for a time, to display the blessings of the Creator. If jewelry was to be prohibited from that time forward, then we see this sin being committed throughout the rest of Scripture, including by Yahweh when he adorns the bride. We will cover more on positive uses of jewelry later on. For now, it should suffice to know that even Yahweh and others of his people use jewelry as adornment, and it's in a good context proving there is no prohibition of jewelry, beginning in Exodus. Jewelry and looking pretty only serve the desire of the flesh, feeding into vanity, which is sin. Moving on, we will look at the idea that jewelry only feeds our vanity and other desires of the flesh, which is a sin. Jeremiah 4.30 is one verse used to defend the position against wearing jewelry. And you, O desolate one, what do you mean that you dress in scarlet, that you adorn yourself with ornaments of gold, that you enlarge your eyes with paint? In vain you beautify yourself. Your lovers despise you. They seek your life. As you could likely see from these verses, there is something to the idea that wearing jewelry and makeup can feed our flesh, especially our vanity. However, there is a difference between wearing jewelry or makeup to feel pretty, for some to even make themselves feel presentable, and being vain or desiring to flaunt your wealth. What is vanity? According to the Random House Dictionary, vanity can be defined as excessive pride in one's appearance, qualities, abilities, achievements, etc. 
the character or quality of being vain, conceit. Vanity for the sake of vanity shows a heart, or desire, that is not following the Creator. It is about pleasing your flesh and being beautiful for the sake of beauty. With vanity comes pride and arrogance. These are born out of self-love, not the love of the Creator. A bride makes herself beautiful to shine on the day she weds. She makes herself beautiful for herself and for her groom. This is different than one who lives to serve themselves and is haughty because of their beauty. As mentioned earlier, we even have Yahweh making the bride beautiful. Beauty or looking nice using makeup or jewelry is not a sin. It is the heart and desire behind it that dictates whether or not something is sinful. Look at Queen Esther. Was she showing excessive pride in her appearance when she dressed nicely and wore makeup to meet the king? Not likely. In Jeremiah, the context of the whole of chapter 4 is about Israel needing to turn away from their ways lest they be destroyed. Judgment was coming upon Israel. It would be laid to waste. It would become desolate. No amount of beautifying would make the land and people more desirable. This is the context of Jeremiah 4.30. It is not about wearing a ring, a necklace, or makeup. This brings us to the next statement in verse. Jewelry and makeup is only worn by prostitutes and others seeking the wrong kind of attention. It is true that prostitutes wear makeup and jewelry. They even seek the wrong type of attention. However, does that mean anyone who wears makeup and jewelry is a prostitute or seeking the wrong type of attention? Of course not. Let's look at the verse they reference for this, Ezekiel 23:40. They even sent for men to come from afar, to whom a messenger was sent, and behold, they came. For them you bathed yourself, painted your eyes, and adorned yourself with ornaments. The context of this verse in Ezekiel is in the midst of Yahweh speaking about how Israel had been playing the harlot. They had turned from their God and turned to the nations instead. During this period, Yahweh does speak about how he will take away their jewels and tear their clothing. In essence, he is taking away their beauty as they have defiled themselves. He is not condemning the wearing of jewelry and makeup, but rather removing some of their beauty. But what about the prostitute or harlot aspect of things here? We agree that playing the harlot, they dressed up, but they were not the only ones who get dressed up. Look at Queen Esther, who was adorned with makeup and royal robes to be pleasing. Esther 2.9 And the young woman pleased him and won his favor, and he quickly provided her with cosmetics, makeup, and her portion of food, and with seven chosen young women from the king's palace, and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. While this was prior to becoming queen, we see that Esther was given makeup to wear, but we see no mention of this being a sin. Why? Because wearing makeup is not against the Torah. Was she trying to get the wrong type of attention? Not at all. She was applying to be the wife of the king. In scripture, being a prostitute or harlot is not just about what someone wears. It has more to do with their behavior than their appearance. If we apply the same logic regarding the clothing to other things related to the harlot, then it's likely we all have some changes to make. Proverbs 7 speaks of a harlot who is also an adulteress. Verse 10 shows us she dressed like a prostitute. Verses 16 and 17 show us other things she has done. Yet we do not see any condemnation of her dress, wearing makeup, or jewelry. Verse 10, Behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. Verse 16 and 17, I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Applying the logic mentioned, we should no longer have linens on our beds nor use perfumes. Proverbs 5 speaks of another harlot. Know what we are being warned to look for. 
For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. We are warned about her words, her actions, and her thoughts. But do you notice what is absent? A warning against her wearing jewelry and makeup. This is the pattern in scripture whenever harlots or prostitutes are mentioned. We need to be aware of them because of their actions and where following them will lead us. It is not mentioned to not wear jewelry because a harlot wears it. Later in the teaching, we will cover additional passages where jewelry is worn by others that are not harlots to further illustrate the futility of that argument. A final thought on this topic. If a five-year-old girl is playing dress-up or wants to wear makeup to look pretty, does that mean she has the wrong intentions there? Is she seeking the wrong kind of attention? If a grown woman puts on some base and eyeliner, does that mean she's seeking the wrong attention? If a wife puts on makeup so that she feels pretty or to look pretty for her husband, does that automatically mean she is doing so only for the wrong kind of attention? Hopefully, you answered no to all of those questions, if nothing else, just based upon what we have covered prior to this point in the teaching. Wearing jewelry or makeup does not mean a woman is looking for inappropriate attention any more than a man wearing jeans and a t-shirt means he's seeking the wrong kind of attention. This leads us to the last argument we'll cover that is used against wearing jewelry. Our beauty should come from the inside, not our outside adornment. We do agree that beauty should be something found on the inside, as we mentioned earlier in this teaching. However, it does not have to be an either-or choice between internal and external beauty. To support the statement that beauty should only come from the inside, Paul and Peter are often quoted. 1 Timothy 2 Likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. And 1 Peter 3. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands. Both of these statements indicate that a woman's beauty should not be based upon what adorns her. Her adornment should be modest and not flashy. We do agree with this as indicated in our blog post titled, Modesty and Lust, Who's Responsible? Mentioned at the beginning of this teaching. However, we do not believe this is an instruction from the Father forbidding the wearing of jewelry and makeup. When we look at 1 Timothy 2, we see the context for Paul's statements are made immediately before in verse 8. 1 Timothy 2, verse 8. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Did you notice how Paul says, I desire, and not Yahweh or God desires? This is Paul's personal preference. This is not a divine revelation from the Creator. We also know that Paul cannot be adding to the Torah, as that would be a sin per Deuteronomy 4.2. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. While it may be desirous of some for jewelry not to be worn, we cannot say that Paul is quoting the Torah here. There is wisdom in both men and women being modest in their appearance. 
We are to be a good witness to others and not appear as the rest of the world appears. However, that doesn't mean a woman cannot wear a ring, bracelet, earrings, or a necklace. These things can be worn to make a woman feel pretty as a symbol of something like a wedding ring or just because they wish to. The focus of the person should not be on the jewelry or appearing beautiful. The focus should remain on being a person following the word. Physical beauty is temporary as all bodies deteriorate over time and eventually die. But living a life according to the Torah, full of love for Yahweh and people, is the greater beauty that does not fade. That is the beauty that should be striven for more than any external beauty. This leaves us with the verses in 1 Peter 3. Once again, we need to look for the context of the passage, not just picking out a couple of verses that suit our need. So let's look at 1 Peter, but starting in verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. The whole passage is about how we should be living our lives. In the previous chapter, Peter talks about how we should be in relation to other people, those over us, etc. But in this chapter, he specifically references our marriage relationships. Look at what he tells the women here. Again, 1 Peter 3, verses 1-6. through 6. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. The focus of this section is on behavior, interpersonal relationships, not outward appearance. We are to care more about how we interact with one another than our appearance. A woman could be the most beautiful woman who ever lived, but if her conduct is not respectful and pure, then she is not beautiful. If her heart is not gentle and her spirit not quiet, then she is not living as she should be and may not win an unbelieving husband for Yahweh. Again, the focus and purpose of this passage and preceding ones were focused on behaviors, not appearance. Just as Paul indicated, we need to care more about having a heart for Yahweh and less about our outward appearance. This is really the same discussion we had near the beginning of this teaching relating to the subject of vanity. Also like Paul, Peter cannot be adding to the Torah, so we know this is not a command to abstain from wearing jewelry and the braiding of hair. Instead, those are simply recommendations to help us take our eyes off of the physical and put them onto the spiritual. Jewelry and makeup can be positive. So far, we have covered some of the primary and most power-packed verses those who say jewelry and makeup are forbidden can use. Hopefully, 
you can see that the logic and support for most of them is either misguided or simply not true when taken in context. Now we'd like to touch briefly on verses in Scripture where the giving, receiving, or wearing of jewelry, makeup, or nice clothes are viewed in a positive light, and some are even given by the Creator. Isaiah 61.10 I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Here we see that both the bridegroom and the bride are dressed up. The bride is even adorned with jewels. In fact, it says that Yahweh clothed Isaiah with the garments of salvation and a robe of righteousness that are likened to the beauty of those getting married. The garments and robe must be beautiful and wonderful indeed. Ezekiel 16, 11-13 And I adorned you with ornaments and put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. And I put a ring on your nose and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was of fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour and honey and oil. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. Once again, we see Yahweh adorning with ornaments, bracelets, a necklace, a nose ring, earrings, and a crown. Then, in addition to those, he gave them wonderfully rich clothing. While this is metaphorical, it is only to a point when we consider what Solomon was given when he followed Yahweh. Great wealth and extravagance. Just listen to some of what Solomon had and what was given by Yahweh. Second Chronicles 1 Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. And the king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stone. And he made cedar as plentiful as the sycamore of the Shephelah. 2 Chronicles 9 Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold, besides that which the explorers and merchants brought. And all the kings of Arabia and the governors of the land brought gold and silver to Solomon. King Solomon made 200 large shields of beaten gold. 600 shekels of beaten gold went into each shield, and he made 300 shields of beaten gold. 300 shekels of gold went into each shield, and the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. The king also made a great ivory throne and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps and a footstool of gold, which were attached to the throne, and on each side of the seats were armrests and two lions standing beside the armrests while twelve lions stood there, one on each end of a step on the six steps. Nothing like it was made for any kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. Silver was not considered as anything in the days of Solomon, for the king's ships went to Tarshish with the servants of Hiram. Once every three years the ships of Tarshish used to come, bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. And notice the Queen of Sheba's reaction to even just the clothing of King Solomon's servants. 1 Kings 10, verse 4 and 5. And when the Queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, and the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. There was no more breath in her after all that she had seen. 
Solomon had such riches and so many fine things. While not stated specifically, it is highly likely that amongst all his treasures was much jewelry, just as there was fine clothing like Peter said a woman should not wear. This was all granted to Solomon by Yahweh. If this was a sin, would Yahweh have given him such things? Not likely. Ezekiel 28, 13-17 You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardius, topaz, and diamond. Beryl, onyx, and jasper. Sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle. And crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. Look at the coverings of one of Yahweh's creations, a cherub. He was covered in precious jewels and gold. If such things were against the Torah, then Yahweh would not have given them to the angels, as it would be sinful. Luke 15, 22. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. The best robe and a ring on his finger. Signs of wealth and favor being given to the prodigal son who has returned home. These are favorable things, not sinful ones. Daniel 5.29 Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck, and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Daniel was given rich clothing and a gold chain as a symbol of his rank and favor. There is no indication that Daniel refused these things because they were sinful. If they had been, it is quite likely Daniel would have refused them, given the rest of what we know about his character. Genesis 24:53, And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. Here we see Abraham's servants giving jewelry and beautiful garments to Rebekah as a sign of favor. A gift. Again, from what we know of Abraham, if jewelry and fine garments were only for prostitutes or were against God, then it's unlikely he would even own them, much less give them to his future daughter-in-law. While some may argue this was before the events of the golden calf, we also know that Yahweh doesn't change. If he didn't like something at one time, he wouldn't have liked it before or after. And finally, Proverbs 25, 12. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Here was wisdom imparted to someone who listens likened to a gold ring. This is a good thing, not something sinful. Why would Yahweh use something that is sinful as a metaphor for something that is good? The simple answer is, he wouldn't. Conclusion In conclusion, the idea that we should not wear jewelry or makeup is nothing more than man's misguided understanding of Scripture. We have reviewed the five primary reasons why many believe jewelry and makeup are to be avoided. In reviewing those reasons and their supporting Scriptures, we found that many times it is a misapplication of Scripture because the context was not taken into account. We were unable to find anywhere in the Torah that the wearing of jewelry and makeup is forbidden by the Creator and made a sin forever. Instead, what we find are a couple of select instances where Israel was being punished for disobeying Yahweh, as well as the opinion of man for best practices concerning our physical appearances. We also saw numerous examples where jewelry and fine clothes were considered a blessing from Yahweh or were used to indicate the favor bestowed upon individuals. We even saw how metaphorically, and in Solomon's case literally, 
Yahweh bestowed such gifts upon his people when they were obedient to him. Even Yahweh's high priest was richly attired with golden jewels. To say that Yahweh is against jewelry is just silly. The wearing of jewelry or makeup is not something forbidden by the Torah or something that only pagans or prostitutes wear. There is nothing wrong with adorning oneself with such things to enhance beauty. The problem arises when it becomes your focus and intent, or vanity. When we keep our eyes on the outer physical beauty, we see only what is fading and worthless in the end. Remember, there is no Torah commandment from Yahweh forbidding jewelry or makeup. Everything must be tested to that reality. Any conclusion that supports jewelry or makeup to be a sin is adding to the Torah. Vanity is esteeming creation higher than Yahweh permits. Jewelry and makeup can be a symptom of vanity, or it can simply be just to please their husband, just as Yahweh clothes Israel in beautiful garments and stones. We must strive to keep our eyes focused on the Creator and His ways. By doing so, we will become beautiful people with hearts seeking after Yahweh. A heart after Yahweh is where true beauty is found. A heart after Yahweh will be full of love for Him and for people. Nothing is quite as beautiful as a person who exudes love and genuine concern for those around them. A beautiful person on the outside may soon fade away into ugliness if they are not properly attired with a beautiful heart and spirit. We hope that this teaching has blessed you. And remember, continue to test everything. Shalom. It is because of you, our generous supporters, who make it possible to offer these high-quality teachings completely free of charge. If you feel led to support 119 Ministries so that we can continue this effort, please visit testeverything.net and click on the Support 119 tab. Learn how you can partner with us to take the whole Word of God to the nations.